Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 23rd of August. Another hit in the polls for the Coalition, with new figures today showing Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's popularity continues to soar. The latest Resolve poll shows 55% of Australians prefer Anthony Albanese as leader. Peter Dutton has just 17% of the vote and 27% were undecided. Meantime, Anthony Albanese has channelled Bob Hawke at a Sydney theatre overnight, sculling a beer to the cheers of the crowd. The PM was at a Gang of Youths concert where he was egged on by fans of the Australian band. Meantime, the legal advice regarding Scott Morrison's secret ministerial portfolios is set to be made public today. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has vowed to provide an update after his meeting with the Solicitor General. Political expert with the ANU, John Warhurst, imagines several matters have been considered, but admits we won't know more until the details are released. Perhaps what were the responsibilities of of other individuals involved, such as um, staff members and... um, departmental secretaries. I imagine it will give give a full picture. A man has faced court over the tragic death of a newborn baby at a Sydney hospital back in 2016. He was arrested and charged with manslaughter yesterday, six years after the infant was given nitrous oxide instead of oxygen in an operating theatre. Police alleging the contractor did not follow Australian standards when it came to the facility's oxygen connections. A reporter, Michaela Savage, has more from Sydney. Yeah, that's right, Taj. Baby John Garnham died at Bankstown Lidcombe Hospital in July 2016 after he was mistakenly administered fatal laughing gas instead of oxygen. A coronial inquest was established last year to look into the incident. It was told nearly a week passed before the tragedy was initially investigated. Now, a 61-year-old gas fitter has been charged with manslaughter by criminal negligence and causing grievous bodily harm by a negligent act or omission. Police to allege in court he failed to adhere to national standards when certifying oxygen connections within the hospital's neonatal medical gas outlet. He fronted Bankstown local court yesterday after presenting to the local police station yesterday morning where he was arrested, charged and refused bail. Overseas now in a 5.5 magnitude earthquake has rocked Indonesia, hitting more than 60 kilometres off the coast of Bali. This woman telling Channel 7 it stopped them in their tracks. We were in our room on the third floor and then we felt a shaking and we both kind of looked at, me and my husband looked at each other and went, what is that? Is that an earthquake? And we kind of, kind of fogged it off. And then the second was so much stronger. There's no tsunami warning at this stage and no reports of major damage. And just days before the start of spring, get ready for a last minute winter blast. A cold front is set to sweep over the country's southeast today with temperatures to plummet across South Australia, Victoria New South Wales, the ACT and Tasmania. Melbourne has been battered by the late winter Arctic blast with temperatures dropping around four degrees below the average and flood warnings have been issued for major waterways across the state. Heavy rain will also fall across Melbourne today with even the slight chance of snow. Our reporter James Lake has more. 
There certainly is, Tash. Yes, the chances are slim, though, but it is still a chance. The Weather Bureau has told us the Dandenong Ranges to the east of Melbourne are a very good candidate for a dusting of snow today, as well as Mount Macedon, which is just to the northwest of our city. The mercury in Melbourne will do its best to reach a top of 12 degrees after an overnight low of 5 and forecasters have refused to say if this will be our last icy blast before spring arrives. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Now, it may not surprise many of us given the skyrocketing cost of petrol at the moment, but this is pretty outrageous. Ampol earned a record profit last year. Oh, Tash, good morning. I've got to say, it makes it very, very hard to defend businesses like Ampol when people say, I've been saying for months, someone's making a lot of money here. And you say, well, maybe not. Turns out, yeah, they were, and it was Ampol. They more than doubled their profit for the first six months of their year. They, they run a calendar year. No surprise, it came from higher petrol prices. So while you were thinking, well, they wouldn't do that, would they? They wouldn't gouge. And the government was out there, both stripes, by the way, over the last six months, telling them to pull their horns in. They didn't. They made a lot of money, and we paid at the pump. Good news if you're an Ampol shareholder, but unfortunately we know where some of our hard-earned has gone over the last six months. And Scott, talking about Ampol, it's getting ready for electric vehicles, but not expecting much to change this decade. So this is fascinating too, and this is a business that really is at the pointy end. And you might say, well, of course they'd say that they're a petrol company, and that's true, but Ampol's actually getting ready to roll out charging stations. It sees a role for itself. It looks down the down the track, and it should, a decade or so, and saying, hang on, when there are more and more EVs on the road, we're going to have less business, we better solve something. They've decided to move into charging stations. Now, that's good for them if they get it right, but the CEO basically saying, look, until the price of electric vehicles halves, he doesn't see a meaningful change in the number of people using petrol vehicles and diesel vehicles, of course, which is not great news for the environment. Also puts, to some degree, a bit of a bit of context around the, the forecast and the expectations. But yeah, they have a, a bob each way. They want to keep things as they are. They also want to be leaders in the change, but don't expect it until 2030 at least. And we all love super, but now the Treasurer wants our funds to be investing more in housing and clean energy. What about petrol? Oh, <laughs> exactly. Oh, so same, same. Uh, well, different, different governments, same problems, right? The previous government wanted us to dip into super to buy TVs and jet skis and get our way through COVID. The current government is saying, well, no, no, don't do that. Use it for the things we want. Use it for our pet project. I'm getting a little bit editorial. I know. Mm. Use it for our projects instead. It's a real challenge because there is so much money now, $3 trillion in the super system, and governments kind of can't help themselves. They look over that fence and say, what if we could use some of that money? What if we could make super funds, invest in aged care, invest in housing, invest in something else? Now, those are very reasonable things to want to invest in. Federal government's got a thing called the federal budget, though. That's kind of what they're there for. If they stop doing that, they might as well just, you know, mail in their uh, their credentials and, and go home because super funds are supposed to be used for retirement, retirement incomes, and to relieve pressure on that federal budget. So guess what? It can be used for things like uh, funding aged care and building affordable housing. Yeah, polis can't help themselves, as the old standard goes. Don't get between a politician and a bucket of money. Yeah, it's our money, not theirs. Scott, thanks exactly. so much. Thanks, Dash. <laughs> Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett a blast from the past for the Socceroos with a former coach returning to offer some inspiration ahead of this year's World Cup. Yes, good morning to you, Tash. Aussie Gus, Gus Hinnink, of course, was in charge during that famous 2006 campaign. He is back for a short time only. He's in camp to watch us face New Zealand in a farewell match. Graham Arnold, of course, is now in charge. He was an assistant under uh, Gus during 2006, and the Dutchman is mightily impressed with what he's seen so far. He has 
done a great job. And and above all, I like very much. He's, he's not he has not changed. Elite uh, man was of course uh, Arnie, who gave me a lot of information about players. That's what I needed. And some parallels with the path uh, we've taken. Of course, it was a penalty shootout against Uruguay back in two thousand and five, and it was a penalty shootout against Peru earlier this year. And Brett, we saw some blowout margins in the NRL last weekend. The Tigers and Broncos, of course, are being urged not to drop their heads. Yeah, for the Tigers, of course, uh, this unfortunately is not the first time it's happened this season, but it was record-breaking against the Roosters uh, on the weekend. 72-6, to they were thrashed by, and it's forced Tim Sheens to pop his head up, the head of football, who's currently their interim coach, hitting back at criticism, believing that they are heading in the right direction. And Triple M's Wendell Saylor says there's no point the Tigers sulking. You're going to have blowouts in different codes and different games. And then we're expanding a team next year. And then, you know, we're looking at one probably a couple of years after that. you just got to suck it and see. It's rugby league. It's been like that forever and a day. While James Tamo will front the judiciary tonight in a bid to downgrade a two-game ban for referee dissent in the hope he is cleared to play a potential farewell game for the Tigers. At the Broncos, they're determined that their blowout loss to the Storm won't define their season. The result has them in danger of slipping out of the eight. But captain Adam Reynolds says they get a chance to respond against the Eels on Thursday night. One bad performance doesn't justify who we are as a club and um, as a playing group. We you know, just need to get back on the horse, believe in the systems and just go out there and have fun. I reckon the Broncos and the Eels will be a little bit closer than the Storm last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And Brett, the extended All-Australian squad has been revealed with a Magpies rookie missing the cut. Yeah, look, it would have been extraordinary for Nick Dacos in his first season in the AFL to make the All-Australian extended squad. 44 players have been named. Melbourne and Geelong dominate uh, the team. The Demons have six including Max Gorn. The Cats have a handful, including Tyson Stengel, who revived his career this year. He is a great story. Just back on Nick Dacos, though, his coach Craig McRae says it's a tough team to crack into. I had a brief look at the squad, and the old one has to come out the one to go in, and I think most of those that in the squad that I see deserve it, and maybe Nick is a little bit stiff. Who, who knows? The final 22 Tash is announced tomorrow night. Brett, thanks so much. And how's this for a state of origin with a difference? New South Wales has battled Queensland for the world's biggest nut bush. The group in Broken Hill just missed out, though, on a world record with Queensland holding on to the prestigious title, but the New South Wales crew still managed to raise $55,000 for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Well done. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day. Stay safe and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.